0: Amen. Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people, and I believe it this morning. Um, thank you so much for coming with a heart of worship today to praise, honor, and glorify the one who is worthy of our praise. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord. Mandy, sister, thank you so much uh, for that song. If I was going to sing that song, that's just how I'd sing it. I'll promise you that. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, how many of you know this morning that because, it's because of the love of God that it's well with our soul? We talked Wednesday night about um, who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. and I told our, our Wednesday night folks last Wednesday that we have been justified, the Bible says, by faith in the truth of who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Now the word justified means to be made right in the eyes of God. Do you realize this morning that if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you've believed and trusted in Him by faith and repented of your sins, the Bible says that you have been saved, praise God. That you have been justified. That God now sees you as right in His eyes. Now we've been justified, but the Bible also says that we are being sanctified. Sanctified. That it's a daily process, that day in, day out, he sanctifies us. He cleans us up up and makes us uh, uh, able to be used of the Lord, for the Lord can't use a dirty vessel. He's holy and he's righteous and he's just. And so even though God loves you, he loves you too much to leave you like he found you. And so he begins the sanctification process at the time of salvation. We have been justified. We are being sanctified. But then the Bible promises that one day we will be glorified. And so I'm thankful this morning. It's well with my soul. I know in whom I've placed my trust. I know I have the hope of heaven. I know my sins have been forgiven. And listen, because of the love of God, it can be well with your soul too. And uh, so very thankful for that today, how good God is. Take your Bible this morning and please turn back with me to John chapter number 14. That wasn't my message, I just had to share that with you. That was burning on my heart after that worship service, how good it was. John 14, and this morning we're going to go back and look again at the work of the Holy Spirit. This will be our fourth message and our last message as of right now on, on the work of the Holy Spirit. We may come back and look at some more things later, but... Um, This morning, I believe as the church, as the body of Christ, we desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit. If you believe that, say amen. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we can never fulfill the purpose we've been saved to fulfill. Without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives individually and collectively as the body of Christ will never be what God wants us to be. I'll never be able to preach the message God wants me to preach without the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be never never be able to teach the, uh, the class that God wants you to teach without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't pray the prayer God wants us to pray and others need us to pray without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't be the husband God's called me to be to my wife. the the husband she needs me to be or the father God's called me to be to my kids or the father they need me to be without the power and the work of the Holy Spirit listen, in me and you can't either husbands, wives, children, laymen, pastors, teachers whatever the case may be in whatever area, wherever God has called you to serve we can never be effective without the work of the Holy Spirit if we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit, we've missed the whole point. A.W. Tozer is one of my absolute favorite writers and preachers of years gone by. Listen to what he said. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Now, I fear that he's right. And that ought to bother you. That ought to burden you. He's saying that if if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from, from the earth today, that we'd just go on as business as usual and no one would even know any difference. And folks, that's so sad. But maybe, just maybe, that's the reason we're in the shape we're in. Maybe this nation is in the shape it's in because we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't allow God to do what He wants to do, when He wants to do it, with whom He wants to do it with. We want to put God in a box and say He can only do it our way. Listen to me. God's bigger than any box you're ever going to put Him in. We must allow Him to work on us, work in us, and work through us to accomplish His will and purpose in our lives. He said, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church... He's talking about the church in the book of Acts. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from them, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. You want me to tell you why? Because without the work of the Holy Spirit, they were bankrupt. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, they could do nothing. Without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in their church, in the church, then nothing was going to get done. And nothing effectively can get done today without the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Again, we can go through the motions. We can do our own thing. We can have church and do ministry and um, do the plans and programs that we have, but without God's power at work in our lives, none of that will be effective. Now, you could argue that the church in the first 100 years did more for the cause of Christ in fulfilling the Great Commission than ever before. They did more in 100 years than in the previous 1900 years. You don't believe me? You go back and read in scripture and see how God moved and worked in his people to accomplish his will and purpose in this world. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Acts 17, 6, that they were the ones who turned the world upside down. They changed everything. And they did it without technology. They did it without planes, trains, and automobiles. They did it without computers or radios or television. They did it by the power of the work of the Holy Spirit working on them, in them, and through them to accomplish God's will and purpose. They spread the gospel to the ends of the known world. Even in that day, they saw people healed by the power of God, spiritually healed and physically healed. Do you believe God's still able to heal? See, I, I believe God still does big things. How about you? I'm not a cessationist. The, the cessationist believes that, uh, that somehow the power of God ceased after the writing of the Scripture. Let me say something to you. Where does it say that? Has God changed? Is God not still able today to do what He's always done? The Scripture absolutely says, Hebrews 13, 8, That that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. So the same mountain moving, star breathing, listen to me, God that we see on the page of the Scripture is at work in our lives today if we'll allow Him to be. If we'll get out of His way and allow Him to do what He wants with us. The problem is not what He wants to do or what He can do. The problem is what we allow Him to do. God took in the early church, in the New Testament church there in Acts chapter 2, 120 believers, a very small group, filled them up with His power. Listen to me. And He changed the world with them. He turned the world upside down. Now we've probably got about 120 or so right here this morning. What would happen? What could happen if God the Holy Spirit filled us up with his power? If we allowed him to fill us up and pour us out in the lives of people, what would happen to our church? What could happen to our community? What would happen to our town? What would happen to our state? What would happen to this nation? What would happen to this world? Because the truth is, the, the purpose of God is still the same from that day. The Great Commission is still our mission. And so, if God could do it with those early believers, why can't He do it with us? Well, He can. I fear the problem is, we've learned to do church without God. Without His power. Without Him moving us and leading us. Into what He wants instead of what we want. It could change everything. So what have we learned thus far concerning the work of the Holy Spirit? First of all, we learned that the work of the Holy Spirit is to restore the presence of Jesus in the believer. You see, when Jesus finished His work at Calvary, how many of you know He finished His work? He was born perfectly and He lived perfectly. Listen, then He went to a cross and paid my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of the whole world. Then He went to a grave. And the Bible says He stayed there three days. He arose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Now listen to me. He's now ascended back to the hot Father, seated at the right hand of God in the place of authority, His rightful place. And when he left, he said, when I leave, you can't come with me, speaking to his disciples. Then he said, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. John 14, verse number 16 uh, through 18, he says, I'm going to give you another comforter. Watch. Watch. And I will pray the Father that should give you another comforter, one like unto myself that will come alongside to help you, the paracletos, that He may abide with you forever. So the work of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is to restore the presence of Jesus in the believer. So the Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Not only have we learned that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to restore the presence of Jesus, but it also reveals the person of Jesus. Look down at verse number 26. But the Comfort, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Flip over a page to John chapter 16. Look down at verse number 13. Jesus says, how be it when he, the Holy, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. Everybody say, guide you. Guide you. Into all truth. The Bible says Jesus is truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And so the Holy Spirit guides us into the knowledge of Jesus. He reveals the person of Christ. He goes on and says, For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit reveals who Jesus is to us. He convicts the world of sin. Of righteousness and of judgment, according to Romans, or excuse me, John sixteen verses seven and eight, he draws the Holy Spirit draws us uh, under under the Lord, showing us our great need for a Savior. But not only does he restore the presence of Jesus in this world and the believer and reveal the person of Jesus, but the Bible also teaches he reminds us of the promises of Jesus. Again, in John 14, 6, he says that the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance. He's Jesus speaking to his disciples here, he says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to bring back to remembrance all this stuff I've been teaching you. They had been walking with Jesus at this point for about three and a half years, and all of the things that he had taught uh, probably wouldn't fresh on their mind. He said the job of the Holy Spirit is going to be to remind you what I have taught you according to my truth. And how many of you know the precious Holy Spirit still does that today? I can't tell you how many times that the Holy Spirit has spoke to me while I'm speaking. How many times I'll be preaching a message and I won't even have anything in my notes about what comes to me. But God the Holy Spirit just starts bringing back to remembrance truth that He wants me to share to you. I can't tell you how many times I've been witnessing and God the Holy Spirit would remind me of the truth of the Word of God and give it to me in that time when I needed it. I can't tell you how many times I've been debating others and defending my faith and God the Holy Spirit would bring back to remembrance truth I had learned according to Scripture. And so what the Holy Spirit was promised to do then, He is still doing today in the life of a believer. And that's good news for you, and that's good news for me. Let me show you why. Take your Bibles and flip back one book to the book of Luke, chapter number 12. And I want us to look this morning at verse number 11. Jesus speaks to his disciples, he says, there's going to come a time when you're going to be brought up before magistrates and people in authority, people who have power over you. And they're going to question you concerning me, concerning your faith. Listen to what he promises here in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. He says, when they bring you into the synagogues and the magistrates and powers, take ye no thought of how or what thing you shall answer. Or what you shall say for the Holy Ghost, watch this, shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. He will bring to remembrance what you need to say, what you need to speak according to His truth, the truth of the Word of God. And so what He has done and did do for them, He does for us as well. In the book of Isaiah, the scripture says that God gives His people... Um, a a learned tongue or a tongue that, that, that has much learning. And so God gives us what we need to say when we need to say it. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for that. He is the friend truly that sticks closer than the brother. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He'll bring back to remembrance everything that you and I need when we need it. How many times have you been studying maybe in a daily quiet time and it don't just feel like you're getting a whole lot of what you're studying? Has anybody ever been there? You're reading and you're trying to be faithful to what you know God wants you to do. And what you ought to do day by day, which is spend time with Him. But it just don't seem as powerful as other times. Now there's times when it feels just like we, uh, me and the Lord are just communing and fellowshipping in such a way that it, it just blows me away. But there's other times when it don't seem that way. Let me say something to you. Even in those times, God will begin teaching you and showing you what you need. Because there's been times when that's happened to me and I didn't think I was getting what I needed and then two or three months down the road or a year down the road and when I needed that, God would bring that back to my remembrance. So he works like this even today in our lives. Never think, What we see on the pages of Scripture is exclusive to those who lived in that day. God's Word, God's truth, God's promises are real and relevant for us as well. So what's that mean for you? You don't have to be scared and going and witnessing and defending your faith and speaking truth. Let me tell you why. Because God the Holy Spirit, that comforter that comes alongside to help you, will give you what you need when you need it. I don't know about you... But standing for your faith, defending your faith, being the witness God wants you to be, can be a very scary thing. Anybody else? <laughs> when you realize the responsibility you have as a child of God to preach this gospel, when you realize the gospel that you preach will have, uh, will have a determining factor on where someone spends eternity, then that responsibility becomes very great. Now, it's a fantastic privilege. Don't get me wrong. I'm so thankful that God allows me to be a part of what He does in other people's lives. Have you ever thought about, listen, God could have chose a million different ways to preach the gospel. God could have took His finger and wrote the gospel in the sky if He had wanted to. God could have called angels down from heaven and chose them to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the scripture says, God has chosen that for you and for me. For the believer, God has called you to go forth and share your faith with the lost and dying world. And he makes it all possible by his power in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every believer. So, not only does he restore the presence of Jesus and reveal the person of Jesus and bring back to remembrance the truth of the Word of God, but He also releases the power of Jesus in us and through us so that we might be the witness God wants us to be. Take your Bibles and turn with me over just a moment to the book of Acts. Chapter number 1. Let's look down at verse number 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, To whom also he showed himself. Jesus showed himself alive after his passion or his suffering. He died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. Can you say amen? He went to the tomb, but he only stayed there three days. He showed himself alive. To all the ones who knew him best. The Bible says by many infallible proofs or things that couldn't be questioned. Jesus showed himself alive to the disciples after the cross and it's through his new life. Listen to me now that we can have new life. And the scripture says, listen, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that the same power that raised up Jesus to walk in the newness of life on that first Easter morning is the same power that raises us up from our spiritual deadness so that we might be new creations in Christ. Same power. He, He describes it for us here being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanding them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. The first thing that I want you to see here is the command of Jesus. Jesus gives them the command. He says, wait, but I want you to think about what's going on. He's just died on the cross. He's rose again from the grave. And folks, if there's ever been something we need to tell or these early disciples wanted to tell was the fact that Jesus had overcome the tomb. He's alive. I believe that they wanted to share it, shout it from the housetops. We see that in their lives later on in Scripture. There was a lot to do here. There was a gospel to preach, a church to start. But when Jesus is speaking with them, He gives them a command. He says, don't you do anything. You wait for the promise of the Father. Now why would He say that? Because Jesus understood full well what we must understand as the people of God. The work of God done without the power of God is useless. It's ineffective. It's boring. It's lifeless. And it drains you. Somebody say amen to that. Y'all know it's true. It's confusing. It's cumbersome. And so what he's saying is, Peter, I don't need you to go out and preach the gospel in your power. John, I don't need you to go out and preach the gospel in your power. James, I don't need you to go out and preach the gospel in your power. What I need for you to do is wait for my power, and when you receive my power, then you go forth and share the message of the gospel and do what I've called you to do. Be what I've called you to be. But it's going to take my power, so you wait. Are you all getting this? So we need His power. And the good news is, he gives that power to every believer, every one of us. He says it like this, he says, wait for the promise of the Father. What promise is he speaking of? Well, the promise that Jesus made all the way back in John chapter 14. The promise that he's going to send another comforter, that same promise we've been looking at for the last month. He goes on and says, which you have heard of me, verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, everybody say baptized, with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. He says, I'm going to give you what you need in the person of the Holy Spirit so that you might have the power that is necessary to fulfill my purpose, so wait on it. Wait on it. The promise of power through the person of God the Holy Spirit. Now let me say something to you folks. On that day, that coming of the Holy Spirit, listen, the church was born. (laughs) That day that we're going to look at a little later on in Acts chapter 2, when God the Holy Spirit did the work that only He could do in those early believers' lives. Now how many of you understand every child of God that is born again into the faith is automatically baptized into the Holy Spirit, into the body of Christ. By the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Let me prove that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse number 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. So the moment you become a part of the body by grace through faith, you are baptized into that body by the precious Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches we then become the temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, you know you not that you are the temple of God, that God dwells in you, speaking to those early believers. And I'm telling you, when you chose to place Christ uh, at first in your, put Christ first in your life, to trust Him as Savior, there's a lot of great things that happen. We know according to Scripture that our sins were put as far as the east is from the west, that our sins were washed clean by the precious blood of Jesus. We know that. We know according to the scripture that our name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus speaking to his disciples said that you ought to be excited that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life more than anything else. We've missed hell and gained heaven because of Jesus. Our sins were forgiven. Our name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. We became a part of God's family, born again into his family. But guess what else happened? you were indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. And it's through His work in you and through you that you accomplish God's purpose. And so Jesus said, wait for this promise to these early believers. And folks, He's letting them know and us know without His power We can't do what He wants to do. See, God knew that you couldn't be what He wanted you to be when He saved you. God knew that you couldn't do it in your power and your ability when He called you. See, somebody may be here this morning. You've been called to preach. You say, oh, brothers, I can't do that. But you know God's calling you. You know God spoke to your heart about it. He won't let you alone about it. You say, I can't do that. Guess what? God knows that. You know that. That's, that's, no, that's not new news. God knew that from the beginning. That's why He gave you the precious Holy Spirit so that you might be what He calls you to be. Whom God calls, He equips. Not according to who we are and what we can do, but according to who He is and what He does in His own power. Some of you may be called to the mission field. Some of you may be called to teach a class. Somebody, God may be calling somebody to witness to your co-worker. Guess what? You say, I can't do it, brother Israel. Yes, you can do it. Not because of who you are, but because of He who dwells in you, that precious person of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. Not in your power, but in His. And so Jesus said, wait for this promise. Verse 7, He says, and He said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in His own power. Verse 8 says, but you shall receive power After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So, according to Scripture, the work of the Holy Spirit is to release power needed into the believer so that we might be what God's called us to be. So that we might accomplish our mission, which is the Great Commission. Sharing the truth of the gospel across the street and around the world. Now, if we could get a hold of all this, how would that change our church? How would it change our homes? How would it change our community? How would it change our world? How would it change your workplace? It changes everything when we realize it's not me, it's Him. It's not us, it's Him we desperately need Him to do His work. The Scripture says many times throughout the Word of God that we ought to be filled with the Spirit. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter number 5, the Apostle Paul says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 So what's he saying? Just as wine has control over you physically, when you drink it, and you're full of it, the Holy Spirit ought to have control over you and will have control over you when you're full of Him. You say, well, brother, how do we get filled with the Spirit? Well, I'll tell you how. I I love J. Vernon McGee. He made it so plain. He said, getting filled up with the Holy Spirit for the believer is just like you driving up to the gas station and putting that nozzle in your tank. How many of you know, listen to me, you've got to have faith that there's some uh, something in the ground you need that's going to come through that pump into your tank to get you on down the road. And so by faith, the child of God can and is filled up with the Holy Spirit when we relinquish our will to His and ask and just ask the Lord, God, fill me up and use me, Have your way and your will in my life. Believe me, it works. Every time I come out here, before I come out here, I got to get on my face and say, Lord, fill me up. By your power, you do what only you can do. And I, if I didn't think God was going to do it, I wouldn't step out here. Every time I teach a class, every time I preach a sermon, guess what? Before I put my feet on the floor in the morning from my bed, I just lay there and I say, Lord, have your way and your will in my life. Fill me up and use me today. Accomplish your good will and purpose in and through me. Lord, you do what you want to do. I'm going to follow you. You lead. You be my guide. And I'm going to follow. You need to do the same thing. It's a privilege that the believer has that the world doesn't. We allow him to work on us, to work in us, and to work through us. And what we can't do, he can. If you're struggling being the husband God wants you to be, guess what? Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up and pour you out. Use you to be what God wants. The wife, the mother, the father, the employee, the employer, whatever the case may be. Yes, God, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. One just like Jesus who comes alongside to help. How good it is to know the Holy Spirit. Everybody stand this morning. Today, if you've not yet born again, been born again by faith in Christ, that's the first step. The first step is you trusting in Jesus for salvation. Realizing He paid your sin debt at the cross and He overcome death, hell, and the grave that first Easter morning. And listen, when you choose to trust by faith in what Christ has done, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've not yet done that, that's the first step. You must be born again. Born again of the Spirit. That's how Jesus put it in John chapter 3 when speaking of Nicodemus. All of us that are here this morning have been born of the flesh. To be a part of the kingdom of God and the family of God, you must be born again of the Spirit. That's the first step. Now, if you have been born again into God's family, then you know the Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Scripture says in Romans 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know He dwells in you. You know He's made a difference on the outside that is making a difference or excuse me, on the inside that's making a difference on the outside. Child of God, let me ask you. Are you allowing Him to lead, guide, and direct you? Are you doing what He wants you to do? What He's called you to do? You can. Again, not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Relinquish your will to Him and say, Lord, here I am. I just want to do what you want no matter what. Whatever you need in this invitation time, God is ready, willing, and able to meet that need. Maybe you just want to say, Lord, I want to be used of you. I want to make a difference at my workplace, at my school, in my home, in my church. Hey, come talk to him about it. I promise you this. If you'll get serious with the Lord, He'll get serious with you. If you want to be used, you can be used. And there's nothing more blessed for a child of God than being used by God through His power and presence. Whatever you need today, don't wait. You come. I'm going to pray for you. Then you allow God to have His way in this time. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit this morning for He can be grieved. Relinquish your will to His. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Lord, I realized this morning, I can't do the work that needs doing in the lives of people. Lord, I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now, impart this truth to the hearer of the day, so that they might be what you want, so they might do what you want them to do in this time. And Lord, if there's one here who needs to do business with you, may this be the day when they get it right. If for some here that needs to be saved, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you convict their hearts. Draw them unto yourself and save them. If there's those here who are saved but are not where they need to be and not doing what you've called them to do, Lord, I'm praying today you convict their heart. Use them for your honor and your glory. And do what only you can in their lives. Father, have your way and will in this invitation time. It's all about you and not about us. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Amen.